Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. There are so many things we take for granted we don't even much think about them. They're part of our daily life, so we may not really pay them much attention, like that billboard we pass on the side of the road or a bar of soap we pick up to wash our hands. But what separates creative entrepreneurs from the rest of us is the ability to take those everyday things and come up with ways to reimagine them and make them better so they can reach more people. With me today to discuss this is David Rollins, co-founder and director of sales at Aura Ad Company, a South Louisiana ad agency that has a unique niche in the out-of-home advertising, or what we used to call outdoor advertising space, by specializing in car-top digital billboards. Aura puts digital signage on top of ride-sharing vehicles like taxis, then pairs the technology in its signs with the GPS technology that most people unwittingly enable on their smartphones. That way they get an idea of how many people are exposed to a sign and who, demographically speaking, those people are. It's a whole new type of advertising and it's particularly attractive to small businesses who may not have the budget to hire an ad agency or buy a big billboard on the side of the interstate. David is a Baton Rouge native and a graduate of LSU who was working in Austin, Texas, doing sales for an IT company when he came up with the idea. David, we look forward to hearing the details about a really interesting new model. So thanks for making time today. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. I think you summarized it pretty well. <laughs> I'm glad. Joining me and David at the table is Chastity Sanders, founder and owner of Bathphoria, a company that sells all natural, organically sourced soaps and bath products. Chastity founded the company in 2019 because she was allergic to many of the soaps commercially available, so she decided to create a line of her own using non-GMO materials. Chastity is a native of Baton Rouge who is trained and works as a pharmacy technician, and that's how she came up with the idea of her company, and since her launch, she has been featured on Walmart's online platform and in national magazines, though most of her sales come from pop-up markets and local events. So Chastity, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so David, just to make sure we know what everyone knows what we're talking about, mm -hmm. out-of-home advertising is anything you see when you are like out of the home, right? I mean, it's what we used to call billboards, but that's like bus benches or yeah. signages on a delivery vehicle or a wrapped bus or something like that? That's pretty much the definition as I understand it. I think the lines are starting to get a little bit blurred as, you know, the physical and digital worlds kind of begin to merge, but yes. Right, and that's what's so interesting about it. And y'all specialize in signage, like they're like one by four feet on the top of a car or yeah, a vehicle. Yeah, they're, they're about, uh, about four feet long by about a foot and a half tall, uh, double-sided, um, weatherproof. GPS enabled. And y'all actually manufacture the signs and contract with the fleet vehicle companies to? So 
we get them manufactured to spec uh, overseas and shipped in mm -hmm. um, in Shenzhen, China. Um, it's extremely expensive to manufacture them stateside, so we do it overseas and okay. bring them in. And you say we, so you have a partner that you work with? Yeah, so I started, uh, I started Aura in August, and shortly after, um, my good friend David Tatman Jr. joined um, as a technical co-founder. He's a mechanical engineer, and then recently, uh, Blake Bollinger and his team, uh, Blake's a very talented computer scientist who's worked uh, for SpaceX and, and T-Mobile, and he came on with his team and helped us to build out our tech to where it is now. Well, we, we will put a pause there because I have a lot more questions. It sounds super interesting. Chastity, like so many entrepreneurs, your company was born out of your own frustration with products or what products you couldn't find on the market, and so you decided to create your own. Yes. And that's an amazing <laughs> story because how does one know how to go about making soap? <laughs> right. Um, so, like you said, in 2019, um, I decided to just venture out and do my own um, soap company. Um, it just started with me and my daughter. We both have sen very sensitive skin, mm -hmm. and um, we noticed every time we used something, it would break break us out or really? dry, and um, my daughter has eczema as well. So um, I wanted to just create something actually for um, sensitive skin, uh, something basically everyone can use if yeah. you, know, you have dry skin or um, normal skin or just, you know, hyperpigmentation and stuff. So I wanted to create a product for everyone as well to use. So um, I started just making soap and giving it out to family members. Now, is it difficult <laughs> to make soap? Um, like, I mean, are there just a couple of no. basic ingredients? <laughs> yeah, just basic ingredients that I use. Um, shea butter, olive oil, coconut oil essential oils from plants, and then um, we also use, um, like, the soap lye. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so <laughs> did you research this on the Internet or in <laughs> volumes, textbooks? Um, uh, did you take a YouTube class in University. it? GPT. <laughs> um, no, I didn't take a class. It was just a lot of trial and errors, um, just going online and um, Pinterest, of course. That's mm -hmm. what you find a lot of stuff on there. And then once you get your um, your concoction of like uh, what you want um, and then you just um, you just go from there and you get greater get better over time you learn you learned a lot of um, trial and errors so we finally got it managed to well everyone loves it now <laughs> fantastic now David I'm sure it was a lot more complicated to come up with these digital billboards and I think the trick to making yours work, besides just physically putting them together, is the tracking technology and how that pairs with, say, what's in my iPhone unless I put all sorts of privacy settings on it. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, so I'll kind of try to articulate okay. our process as succinctly as possible. Um, on our boards, we have GPS technology that tracks uh, time and location data so we know where our boards are at all times. Uh, and then we take this data that we collect, and this is essentially our first foundational layer. And on top of that GPS layer of our own data, we put uh, privacy compliant third party data, which is um, essentially what you, you sign on for when you download an app or use your internet browser unless you specifically 
opt out, that data you're agreeing will be collected and will be sold. So we fit into that ecosystem and we take this data in and we layer that on top of our own GPS data. And essentially with that, with that third party data that's coming from everyone's devices, about 150 million devices around the country, we can see a unique identifier and uh, device behavior. So we can see the device location, um, the time, when it would have been exposed to one of our ads uh, and subsequent actions taken um, that may have resulted from exposure to our ad. We can also wow. see some really cool, some really cool demographic uh, information on our potential audience. So age, income, education, uh, all the way down as granular to consumer behaviors like if they're a pet owner or if they're a DIY enthusiast or maybe they're looking for love. <laughs> Like in, like individual people, individuals. Individuals. So you know, at first we see unique we see unique identifiers. So we know it's a unique device. We don't initially know who it belongs to, but you can kind of extrapolate that based on uh, the point of origin for this device. So we can see where it, the device most likely lives at home, and then we can extrapolate from there and, and make you know kind of an inference about whose device it is. So who do you buy this third party data from? I guess there, there are companies out there mm -hmm. that collect this? We use like a company. Like you say, from the apps, right? Yeah, we use a company called uh, Street Metrics, and they pull from a company called Near. Uh -huh. and, and those are not local companies. These are big national companies that harvest data, right? Yes, the yes. Users, yeah. And is that expensive? Uh, it's not particularly cheap, mm -hmm. um, but for our model, it's, it's definitely sustainable. And then would you buy data, say, like for, you know, New Orleans and Baton Rouge or South Louisiana or obviously you're not buying it for the whole country at this point, right. but just for the specific places where your billboards are at this moment? Correct. Yeah. So if we have, say, 100 devices, 100 boards in New Orleans, we would be pulling data from that New Orleans DMA. Mm -hmm. See, this is so fascinating because most people just don't think about this. But this is really the way, like you say, that, that marketing and advertising are going and people don't understand really how their data is being used. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I well, good. So. We'll follow up with, with you some more. But Chastity, I want to come back to you because um, what makes organic soap better or really within the context of, of soap, what are we even talking about with organic? Like with vegetables, we know it means no pesticides, right? Right, right. Um, with organic, um, just all natural from plants. I use okay. a lot of plant-based products in my um, soaps as well um, and in my home even with uh, laundry detergent and really? just uh, I make my own toothpaste own deodorant lotions I'm just the all-organic all girl over here Fantastic. <laughs> yeah but what I mean what what is it that makes um, commercially available products less less you know or it makes people more sensitive to it is it just the chemicals in it is it Oh yes, yeah. it's the um, it's the chemicals that's in it. Um, if you turn on a turn over a bar of soap like um, Dove or um, I don't even know what the other no, ones are. I yeah, know. because yeah. I use my own products. <laughs> they have more than just um, your basic um, ingredients. There's names on there that you can't even pronounce mm -hmm. on the back of that soap. And like when I do um, events, people are like, oh, well, I use Dove sensitive. You know, I can't use anything else. So I started bringing a bar of 
stuff and like can you pronounce these like these on the back and this is what I have in my soap and this is what it has in this soap why would you want to use something that you can't even pronounce I can't even pronounce the names on the back of that bar soap so it's more ingredients that um so they they put like their basic ingredients but then there's more ingredients that is not good for the skin on the back of that ingredients when I only have like four ingredients in mind so I always let people know who's skeptical of buying from me mm-hmm. um like I do the comparison and then like well you know we'll try I have one that's um just aloe nice and um it doesn't have any fragrance it's just the aloe smell to it so I'm like try this let me know if you like it and then if it works for you you know you might want to try um my famous oatmeal milk and honey soap <laughs> so that one sells out a lot so um and then they come back they end up coming back and like you were right you know they tell me about the the soap the quality the lather how it makes their skin feel um different things like that so um that's why i just try to keep everything all natural and so where do you source your materials from? um i use this um company i think it's in i want to say north carolina it's a soap warehouse company um i use them um for a lot of my base um products um and i use another vendor um what is the name of that i think it's called bumble soap Mm -hmm. um i use them too to get like the base and stuff and uh, the essential oils to go into and then do you make it in your house or have we moved up to renting a facility <laughs> yet to yet. actually manufacture um, I have actually reached out to I am um, doing some work with um, LSU um, Innovation Park I'll be getting ready to do that soon um, but right now I just do it at home I have an office at home but they have a bigger um, space that you can rent out there so I've talked to them um a couple of months ago to see if I can just um, rent out a space there and have more work room <laughs> to work. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Chastity Sanders of Bathphoria and David Rollins of Aura Ad Company. So, David, one of the things that you say in your um, marketing material about Aura Ad is that it, you know it democratizes the whole out-of-home advertising, and, and it's really accessible for small businesses like Chastity's, or maybe like Chastity's company will be in a year or two as it grows, right? So say as a small business owner, she wants to promote her soaps, you know, um, she would come to you, and, and how does it work from there? You would design a campaign for her or just take her logo and put it on top of some taxis or Ubers and then go to town with it, or what? Yeah, so we're not the first to kind of work in some of this attribution to mobile advertising. There's a company called Firefly that's doing this actively, uh, especially on the East Coast and in cities like New York. Um, But what I believe we can differentiate on is our ability to make it accessible. Um, So the out-of-home advertising industry is about a $10, $11 billion industry, and uh, 75% or so of that is spent locally. So what our competitors have done is target the much higher ticket clients and offer the services at a, you know, about a 10 to $20,000 minimum buy-in where, you know, we see a lot of opportunity is in this, in these local markets where um, players like, let's say a Gordon McKernan is spending, um, or I guess that's not a, 
great example, but a, a smaller company that's local is he spends a lot. A lot. But Maybe a smaller he uses big billboards. He uses so. big billboards. We're still trying to get him on, but um, yeah, you know, a smaller a smaller uh, company uh, can access our services, uh, and what we're building is is a sort of self serve platform where um, we can drive inbound sales rather than trying to hire a bunch of account executives to go close big ticket sales. Mm-hmm. And, and so then uh, I, I could just go onto your website and download my uh, logo and pretty much still, do still it all in, that way? Still in progress. R- right mm-hmm. now uh, it's a little bit more manual, but we're building a self-serve platform to where you will be able to essentially go into the platform, tell us about your business, um, your busy times, times of day, specific locations that you may want to may want to target. If you're a personal injury attorney, maybe you want to target collision centers or uh, hospitals, emergency rooms, right. you know, all different specific targets. So not companies as small as a startup at this point. It's still not quite our, that accessible. Our right? minimum buy-in is $500 a month. Okay. Well, so that's not so bad. A bit, a bit more accessible than ten or 20000 Considerably. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. And then any, how many eyeballs would that get you? I mean, do we know or does it depend? So it, it really does depend. It depends on the locale, the time of day. Uh, so that's what's very valuable about our, our impression measurement and attribution system. I think traditionally impressions have been the standard for measuring, um, measuring eyeballs or, or you know, cost, per, cost per mil is the, the currency in advertising, cost per thousand impressions. But those are really table stakes, and the real value is found in attributing ROI in a similar way that a Facebook or a Google ad campaign is done. So this is, I mean, so this is the thing about outdoor that I never got. Because like if I click on a website ad that maybe you geofenced me into, you know if I clicked on it right. or opened it, right? Right. Your taxi passes me on the street. I may or may not have noticed it, right? So even if it saw my device, it might not have really seen my eyes, or maybe I even saw it and didn't even realize or it didn't resonate with me. How do you bridge that sort of gap in the outdoor advertising world? Or can you? I mean. Yeah, absolutely. So the impressions, you can get a rough estimate of, of eyeballs based on different methods of impression uh, measurement. So you can use Wi-Fi, Bluetooth sniffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of a, that was the, the method that came in before using these this data layering system. Um, but the most accurate way is, is by using a, a data layering system like what we're doing. Okay. And then, and then do you assume that like of every three devices or five devices that are measured, maybe one or two of those people actually saw the ad? Yes, there's, there's a multiplier there's assigned. There's a multiplier. That's yes. Right. You factor in. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So Chastity, um, back in the soap world, um, is your daughter working with you? Is it the two of you? Do you take time off? From your pharmacy job to make it on the weekends? No, it's actually just me. It's all Um, you by yourself. It's just me. I'm the one-woman show. I make it. I sell it. I label it. I advertise it. I'm trying to get to the little TikTok thing now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just um, learned how to do these reels on social media. So um, (laughs) I'm learning. Um, I do have my niece... um, she helps me every now and then at um at an event. Mm-hmm. She's um how old is Mackenzie? Mackenzie is like I think fifteen now, but um in her school they taught her how to do like uh, build a website and everything. So the website they told 
taught her how to use. I'm actually using the same website. Your website looks yeah. great. <laughs> Thank you. So my niece has been, my 15-year-old niece has been actually helping me with my website because, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. But, um, and I, I let her run the register and everything like that um, at the events. But other than that, it's just, it's just me. Do you <laughs> sell much online or is it mostly at the events? At the events. That's okay. what I'm trying to um, work on, getting more online sales. My online sales come from my repeat customers. Mm -hmm. But um, once I'm at an event, it's a totally different story. Like, um, I guess I can't smell it because I can smell it all day at home. It's in my yeah. office. So when I'm out, they're like, oh, my God, what's that smell? And I'm like... Well, I guess one of these soaps. I can't smell right. it. So um, it draws people in. Sure. It draws people in, and I sell out um, every event. <laughs> we talked about this last week with your friend who, who makes tea, but mm -hmm. um, is there any FDA uh, certification or, you know, requirements at, at, the, um, at the mom and pop level, so to speak? With or me, no. With making soaps, mm, no. no. You don't mm -hmm. need anything mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> now you had mentioned that you are um, mentioned on a Walmart website. Does that mean you, you have sold um, it yes. on Walmart online? Yes, I did. Um, I um, this was last year. I decided to um, try out the Walmart um, marketplace online to see how it went, um, and I did that for a while um, with selling uh, a couple of soaps on there, and it did really well. Mm -hmm. It did really well. Now I'm trying to focus on Target. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I signed up for their accelerated program. So now I'm just waiting to um, get a spot. And those are like to help small businesses yes. in particular. Yes. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Good to know that big companies <laughs> are doing that. Yes. And uh, Amazon has one too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> David, part of your model, um, the essential, an essential part of your model, I guess, is the partnership with the taxis or the or the Ubers or whatever. How do you convince them to work with with um, Aura, and then do they get a cut of the revenues? Yeah, it's um, pretty pretty simple actually. It's mutually beneficial. You mm -hmm. know, they um, they make more money each month and and we have a deployment yeah. system so we it, it, it's variable based on the fleet but either a flat rate uh, per vehicle or some sort of revenue share um, or a inventory trade so we nice. can trade ad, our ad space to them to promote whatever promote now, their fleet and there aren't so many taxi companies out there anymore but there are ride sharing yeah and, and but those are individual people not right the company that own the fleet so have you do you partner with uber actually or? so you'd actually i was surprised by how many taxis there still are there's about two hundred and eighty thousand in the united states full-time taxis taxi drivers mm -hmm. um thousands in new orleans alone mm -hmm. um so our main target is the taxi is companies taxis. taxi companies okay. and existing existing fleets when we first did our our beta launch in late 2022 um, we were using independent contractors, and we realized pretty quickly that it was a bit of an unreliable and sort of unsustainable, definitely definitely not a system that we would want to try to scale with. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of where we pivoted to focusing on on fleets that have reliable, that, we, you know, we go to one central source of truth, the manager, the owner of the fleet, and he puts us on to the, the rest of the, uh, the drivers in, in the fleet. Excellent. Very good. And, and who are your 
clients have y'all signed? You said you, you didn't really get going until late 2022. So in the months since then, have you signed clients? Yes. Customers? So, so we've, yeah. we've, we've had revenue and we did this, we did this beta launch and realized a, a few really key pieces that the deployment system was, was unsustainable. The sales strategy wasn't really sustainable without volume. So we really needed a critical mass. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of went back to the drawing board and focused on establishing larger fleet partnerships and then building the product out to where it was differentiated and investable so that we could actually raise capital to deploy to a larger fleet. Excellent. Um, but it will be, it'll, we're hoping to partner with some legacy out-of-home companies and essentially offer our services as an extension, a seamless extension of their existing services. Well, we will look forward to following your progress and, and as your company develops over the years. And Chastity, What's next on the agenda for you? Are you uh, so, new products? New um, I try to um, put a new product every uh, out every month, but um, the future goal for Bafloria is to um, be able to get a brick and mortar. Really? And, um, yes, and I'm doing festivals. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Chastity you. Sanders and David Rollins. There are so many unique aspects to the startups that you both have founded and the work you are doing here in Baton Rouge. It's great to see such creative entrepreneurial minds at work. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Chastity Sanders of Bathphoria and David Rollins of Aura Ad Company. You can find out more about Bathphoria and Aura Ad Company by going to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on it's batonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Eric Otts. You can find more of Eric's photos on Instagram at, at Acro, that's A-C-R-E-A-U-X. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by J.T. O'Neill. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansour's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansour's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.